hour two of the show. Puck is on assignment in Arizona studying cocktails and golf uh, tea times. He'll be back on Monday. Uh, you can text us at the Heritage Distilling text line. We're looking for your, your favorite or your dumbest sports superstition. Maybe it's one you believe in. Or maybe it's one. They, do they matter? Are they hocus pocus? Or is there really something to them? Right now, we'll turn our attention to professional football and uh, from the sports radio team. It's always fun to welcome in Tony Softly. Tony pucks out of the way so we can actually have a reasonable discussion among adults today, and I'm looking forward to it. Des Bryant is released by the Cowboys. The first thing that stunned me is how long he's already been in the league. Isn't it funny how we all get older and you start to think, oh, Des Bryant, he's only like three, four years. No, it's like eight years in the league now. His star has faded the last couple of years. He was due to make a ton of money. He didn't want to take a pay cut. I, I guess from all that, it makes sense. But it sure feels to me, you're like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carve out a scenario where this guy could help us. Is, are, are the things this guy has that are attractive to you as an NFL guy? Uh, you know what? you, you got to go back. When you look at picking up players that have been in the league or free agents uh, or during free agency is, is uh, playtime, production, and injury history. He's had some aided, like you mentioned, the last several years. So uh, he is not a top-flight wide receiver, in my mind, uh, in the National Football League. Is he a big name? No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, is he a guy that you might want on your team? I think that's something that you'd have to explore. Uh, but but for me, watching him play the last two, three years, he's not going to run away from anybody. Yeah. Uh, but there's still there's still uh, you know room in the league for a, a possession-type wide receiver. He he did play all sixteen games last year after back to back years where he he missed a bunch of of, uh, of games due to injuries. Uh, I I guess it would also depend, and this is a huge part of it. And and you know the the, the Kaepernick story with the Seahawks is evidence of that. You've got to meet with a guy who's a veteran, kind of see where his head's on his attitude. He might be a perfect fit if he's willing to to do some negotiating with with the money. But and and then you could say that about anybody, obviously. But but. If he wants to say, hey, I want to be number one guy, I want to get paid number one guy, that would be kind of a red flag, right? Yeah, that's a red flag, and that's not going to happen. Uh, he, one, he's not what I call a blue player. He want to do the off, off-season workouts. Is he going to want to lift and run and train and be the best he can be uh, to, to help the team move forward in the goals and objectives they're trying to achieve? Then you make a decision on it. Uh, but but this, is a, uh, you know, this is a flashing yellow light, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, Des Bryant, and why would you... Home here, this is not necessarily an area of need for the Seahawks. It isn't like the first thing you think is, oh, God, the Hawks need another receiver. Maybe they'd take a chance on Now, you never know. Pete and John obviously work in their own mysterious ways, and they've had a lot of great success doing that. But this doesn't feel like a guy they'd take a good look. And maybe even frontline starters, another pass rusher, uh, an offensive lineman, a running back. Uh, Wide receiver is, is in their needs, but I don't think it's a glaring need. Uh, at this time, and, and Des Bryant wouldn't be the guy I would go after personally. I would go to uh, look in the draft where you can get a guy that's more explosive, younger, uh, before I go down the road with Des Bryant. Tony Softley is with us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. We're talking NFL. Des Bryant was released by the Cowboys today. All all of your descriptions makes me think that he's going to be playing for Bill Belichick and, and win an MVP at Super Bowl 53 next year with like seven <laughs> catches, 122 yards, a couple of touchdowns, the Super Bowl MVP. And, uh, this will be a uh, it'll be a curious landing spot because he's obviously going to play for somebody next year, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Well, he's going to play for somebody. There's no question. Uh, and, and I'm like you, don't rule out Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, the one thing about it, yeah, eight years seems like a long time, but you, you remember the first three years in the leagues 
There's just a lot of things going on in his life, and he kind of got that settled down, and then he went into the injury stage of his career uh, after having, you know, like you said, three great years, uh, and, and he's come out of that fine. Uh, what what I want to see now is is who's going to who's going to pick him up and where he fits in that system. Really, kind of what do wide receivers do? They're supposed to catch the ball and score touchdowns, <laughs> and uh, he, he has fallen short in both those categories. Stephen Morris was uh, signed by the Seahawks yesterday as a as a quarterback. Everybody says he's the, is he the backup? Well, you know, we'll see. He's he's had an interesting career, if you want to call that, in the NFL. He's bounced around from a couple different teams. He has never taken a snap in an NFL game. Now, this is a, a, a pretty solid college quarterback out of Miami, but it is fun, and he, he keeps trying, Tony. I mean, how do you evaluate a guy like this who for, for four or five years he's been just stuck in a team's depth chart and can't even get onto the field? I think the Hawks are bringing him in, obviously, because they need arms for, for the offseason, uh, the, the OTAs that they're going to have, but but how, how does a guy like this keep hanging around? Where does he dig within himself to find the means to uh, has some talent, some arm talent, uh, in order to hang in there uh, with multiple teams like that. Uh, this is where the Alliance of American Football comes in because players like this will be able to go develop in that league, show what they can do, and then the NFL will be you know, able to take a little bit more of a chance on them. Uh, but, yeah, he, he, he's a guy, I agree with you, he's probably more of a, a camp arm at this time, was uh, with Shoddy out in uh, St. Louis. Uh, he knows and understands that offensive system, that, that uh, terminology and, and that scheme that he, uh, he runs. Uh, so that's that's the guy. That's the name that I'm throwing out there here early uh, to be Russell Wilson's backup is Kellen Clemens. You just brought up a great point too, and you know better than all of us. Don't want to spend a lot of time working on terminology with the backup. If you can bring a guy in who already knows that, that that's a terrific point, Tony. I mean, how, how much time does that save you, and how much of a of a headache does that take off a new offensive coordinator's plate? And it's not like Schottenheimer hasn't been an OC before, but in this case, he can work more with Russell and not have to worry as much about the backup, right? There's no question. It makes Pete feel warm and fuzzy along with John and Shoddy as well because this can come in. He can deliver. He can get you out of those emergency games until Russell was able to come back or even finish up you know, half a season if that was the case uh, and do it well. Uh, he is not uh, the – the next coming to Joe Montana. I'm not saying that, but he over the weeks and listening to Mike Holmgren on the various shows that he stops by, and and how you know a, a board can get locked in. Holmgren told a great story about how at Green Bay they would literally lock. They would put a lock around the board so Holmgren couldn't get in there and mess guys around and move things. Hey, all right, we're going to use this pick right now. We're not trading down, even though everybody thinks that's what we're going to do. Is is there that position or that player in your mind in this draft that could do that to them? You know, I would say there's probably two guys, uh, maybe three guys that would make them st- sit up and, and take notice, and that's Marcus Davin to 18 to be right in front of them at 17 and that strong possibility. I think they might sit and pick him. And, and the uh, the only other two guys I would say would be uh, Micah Fitzpatrick, the uh, safety utility guy, really, because he plays corner, nickel, safety for Alabama, and Darwin James, the safety at Florida State. I think those three players – I think they sit and pick at 18, but really, when you look at this and what they, I really believe they trade out at 18, go down to 23, 24, uh, maybe even parlay back twice to stay within the first round, pick a quality player, and then uh, recoup some of those picks that they desperately need. And it feels like uh, uh, that if someone offers them the right number of draft picks, and one of them would have to be a number one, that that dumb out there, they see the pros and the cons to this. Keeping Earl is 
there's a lot of reasons to do it. Moving him, if you get the right package. Is there a specific package you think that will definitely get him away from Seattle? And Would it be just a number as simple as a number one pick? Yeah, I don't think anybody is going to give a one. That's just it. Uh, or offensive lineman or receiver. Uh, a combination of those. But like I said uh, yesterday with Chuck and Buck is that you know, you draft players to develop them, and you hope like hell that you hit it on the mark so that they become pro bowlers, they become all pro football players, they're good in the community. It's everything that, you know, Bill Polian and, and Mike McCormick, the late Mike McCormick, and several other guys that I'm good friends around, like Austin Newsom and, and, and several others, that it just goes against what you're trying to do in building a roster and building a championship team. Uh, that would be a rebuild that would be a retool a, a great mind for this stuff and you, you were you were in the league and you know what's going on and, and guys like schneider and carolyn and, and everybody at the end of the day you're, you're trying to make it as educated as you can but it is a guessing game and the best example i've got for that uh you know for years when i was doing the regular afternoon show here you know we did they'd have the draft and then and then the morning player it's always exciting and and the one year the fifth round pick falls to me and it's this guy out of stanford who's just played defensive back for a couple of years and he was a wide receiver and is he going to be any good who knows he was a fifth round pick and it's richard sherman and i mean god knows what what a, what a run this guy's had it 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 does remind you that that for all the education and all the information that's out here tony at the end of the day it's not quite throwing a dart but you're, you're, you're millions of dollars scouting, evaluating, traveling, working guys out, watching them work out at the combine to have seven or eight picks and try to nail it down. And it's a projection because you don't know what that 19, 20, or 21 year old is going to do when he gets to the next league, mm-hmm. uh, to the grown man's league. Um, you know, they up the NFL, came into the NFL, lasted three years, was never a thousand yard rusher, and just didn't like football. But you spend all that money, you know, evaluating him and then putting the money into the draft pick, and three years later he's gone because he just it wasn't his cup of tea. Right. So you just don't know. You don't know in the draft uh, on playoffs. It's just it's one of those things that is unpredictable from a player standpoint, and also the involvement and, and the the whole draft process while it's being run uh, is it's it's a while. I mean, I can't even explain to you what it's like. Enough. It's it's really really fascinating it really is i I bet it's a little bit too like every time i've I've bought i think three or four houses in my life and and the day you buy it you instantly your buyer's remorse you're like you see everything that's wrong that you didn't see you know so i'm I'm sure you go through a little that where okay we just drafted this guy oh god look at this report so it's it's interesting because so much effort and work goes into it and there's so much more information than there used to be i mean i go back to the days of the r lads draft go out there but it's uh it's interesting to see how the various teams handle it hey one last thing martellus bennett said today that he thinks nine out of ten NFL players use marijuana at some point during the year. I mean, clearly some do. I mean, anybody who doesn't think that's going on is being kind of naive. Do you think it's that high? Is there that much marijuana use in the league, do you think? Um, would rather use marijuana uh, than they would, you know, any kind of uh, uh, prescription drug that's mm-hmm. going to affect your kidneys or your lungs right. uh, or your, your liver, uh, whatever it might be. Um now, I, I say lungs there because, um, you know, marijuana, the smoke of, you know, ibuprofen right. every day. Right. So, you know, I, I get it. I don't know if it's, you know, nine out of ten. Uh, and I couldn't guess what the percentage is, but I would say it's it's high. There's no question. 
And one last thing, a, a, a personal nut of jobs over the course of his life. But he says the best job he ever had was working for your dad. He said it was just a, he was a cool dude to work for, and they had fun, and they did things the right way. And he, he said way back when he was in college that he worked for him, and he, he wanted me to bring that up to you. And I, if I can do anything but keep my friends happy on this show, that's what I'll do. You know, that's that's really oh, all. Oh, that's I'm, good. Tell Jeff, I, yeah, tell Jeff I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, he had a hell of a year, a hell of a run out there at the UW, and enjoying retirement. That's good. What's the uh, puck will be mad if I don't ask you? What's the cigar and what's the beverage for tonight, do you think? Cigar is going to be uh, a T-52 flying pig, and I <laughs> think I'm going to do uh, a classic gin uh, martini. He's used. Uh, Tony, who's on all the time here, and uh, it, it's fun to talk uh, NFL. You know, it's, it's like I say, I, I get kind of pigeonholed as the guy who hates the draft. I don't hate the draft, but the over-information and over-analysis and all that, because at the end of the day, it's not a crapshoot. I won't say that, but it kind of is. You just never no, ask the San Diego Chargers. They got only on track. But you watched Ryan Leaf play college ball up here. He looked every inch the kind of guy who was going to have a great NFL career. It's just that there's so much guesswork to it. Maybe that's why we all, maybe the, the people that really dig it, maybe that's why make those decisions. We'll have big draft coverage coming up in, well, really the next two weeks. But then when we get around to draft day, we will be big big into it here on your home for the NFL draft. They don't make a move without consulting us for Sports Radio 950 KJR.